Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Bibliostapes in Discussion. Uh, all being well, this should be going out as the Christmas special, and I'm delighted and it's my honour to be joined by Paul Kenny. Good evening, Paul. Good evening, Ewan. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure. So before we get into talking about uh, a couple of Paul's books, which I'm sure most people of you, most of you will know pretty well. Um, obviously, Paul, very well known, very well respected artist, uh, originally from the northwest, now living in the northeast up in the uh, Northumberland coastline area. Um, so obviously studied up in Newcastle, back in the days. Um, so before we talk about your book, Paul, it would be great just to get a bit of an understanding about your work and how it's progressed over the years um, and just a background to you. How long have you got? As long uh, as long as you want, Paul. Um, in terms of photography, I mean, I was born and brought up on a council estate in Salford, which I, 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 I don't say that for any kind of yep. bonus points for working, working <laughs> class bonus points, but it just matter the landscape or the sea was just nothing to do with me as a child. Um, it yeah. was so, it was just, it just wasn't. It was urban, it was canals, it was industrial buildings, it was railways, it was, it was very, very industrial. Um, yeah. And it's only really when I went to Newcastle to do a fine art degree, um, I met my wife, who's still my wife, uh, my partner, who's still been together yeah. 48 years or something. And um, she was a. She came from rural Kent and was a painter. Lovely. And she she started introducing me to the landscape, and we started to do trips up the Northumberland coast, and then further afield to Scotland and Isle of Skye and places. And um, I just put a photograph on Twitter today of uh, my first ever car, which was a Morris Thousand van that we converted into as a sleep in the back. Yep. So 1970. Four, I think it probably was. We went up to, to Northwest Scotland, and it yep. blew my mind. It just blew my visual mind. I just didn't know that places like this existed on our island. It was yeah, uh, it was a huge, huge sort of uh, eye opener. And from that moment, I I started to to sort of be interested in making my work about the landscape. Yeah, I've been doing it now for nearly fifty years. It's fifty years next year, and I've always use the photographic medium in yeah. some way but the, the the i have a kind of mantra now that in in those 50 years i've moved from uh, analog to digital from monochrome to color from working in the in the in the landscape to working in the studio to working with a camera to working without a camera yeah so the, the these changes have just kind of been natural to me over the over the years they've just kind of been where the work has taken it the single thread through the whole work is photographic medium in some way yeah. and then also landscape in some way so uh it's been a long journey really <laughs> yes a, a long journey but I, I think a phenomenally successful and productive journey as well and yeah. um it's it's i've obviously got both of your books and it's it's yeah. it's, it's really wonderful and a, such a pleasurable experience to to sit down and and look through your work as 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 it's developed over 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 the course of over the course of time and um, obviously your first book was sea works which yeah. uh, largely based on your your coastal journeys i think up to yeah. scotland and around northumberland yeah. coast as well and i should have said that i mean for 20 of those years i i had a job but kind of 
yeah. day job. And I, I had to, the photographic stuff was compressed into these little moments, uh, usually around wits. And I used to travel up to Scotland. Uh, I would always do a week on my own, just live in a tent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I probably exposed, I had a, a two and a quarter square camera at the time, a Bronica that I used. Yeah. I probably exposed 12 rolls of film a year. And that was it. That was the only kind of kind of tight parameter I could put around myself to allow it to happen, really. Yeah. Um, so, and the other thing I was going to say is that I've, I've been developing this um, idea of my work being like a rope, like a, right. okay. that at the beginning there was these, just these few threads of ideas about landscape and or being in awe of the landscape and the. Um, you know, and then a few more threads would get added to it. And as, as the years have gone on, this rope has got thicker and thicker, thicker. with the kind of ideas and the thoughts in the work. Yes. Yeah. And I never think that it actually, it's now quite a thick rope I'm working. Yeah. But I think if you look to the end of this rope, you'd still see these threads going right back to these the really early, early pictures I would take of dry stone walls on the yeah. Peninsula or... Um, lichens on, on rocks or water passing around stones in streams they're, they're still there those ideas and thoughts are still there in my work but they've just yeah. been refined and kind of honed and changed and yeah uh, and then new new ideas have come in and it, as the internet got bigger there's stuff like websites and looking at other things and yeah, you probably know I'm a massive fan of uh, Google Earth. I, yes, I yeah, kind of yeah. love looking at Google Earth and just making these links between things I'm seeing on the ground about my feet and these images you see from space. You yeah, know? and the links are just there all the time. Yeah, it's quite fascinating to see how how technology has progressed. And as you say, it's who yeah. thought 15, 20 years ago that you'd be able to comb the Earth yeah. looking at satellite images from. Yeah that are so detailed showing people's back gardens. Yeah, one of my favourite uh, Instagram pages is, he doesn't put anything on anymore, he's, it's, but it's a sort of historic document, uh, one called the, the Jefferson Grid. Ah, okay, yeah. You come across that? I've heard of it, yes, yeah. Is yeah. It a, it's a square mile or something That's of that. Right. Yeah. And, um, when the Indians had been thrown off all the land, uh, Thomas Jefferson decided to square it off into one mile square so they could sell it it could become a commodity yeah uh and there's still remnants of these one mile squares and because the, the one person bought this square mile and another person built this square mile what's gone on on it has been very different so you yeah. see these amazing one's got uh, rows of orange trees perfectly aligned in sort of rows. beautiful the, ne yeah. the next the next one's like a quarry or something and it's uh, yeah a, a whole a total variety depending yeah, as, as yeah, you say is yeah. you you get different buyers for every every little yeah. square mile they've got their different views and their different yeah. interests and um, yeah, yeah they've, it, they've tried it differently yeah so yeah um and sea works when i was approached to do sea works i really immediately wanted to to have it as a sort of story of that development so that's why the very early black and white pictures are in the front. Yes. Um, the move through to starting to create work out of things I'd collected on the beach rather than taking photographs, bits of plastic and seaweed. And yeah. um, 
I mean, the, the big sort of leap there came when I went to Ireland. I, I was made a fellow of a foundation um, called the Ballin Glen Foundation, and they have a place out in County Mayo. The yeah. foundation's uh, uh, centre is in Philadelphia. Uh, I got this letter one morning from Philadelphia saying, we've seen your work and we really like it and we want to make you a life fellow. And it was, I really didn't believe it. I just yeah, thought yeah. it was some sort of wind up. It turns out it was true, and they have they have this place out in County Mayo where they've Very nice. built some studios and uh, they've bought some houses around the village, on the coast. Uh, it's really really wild Atlantic, uh, yeah. uh, and so I I went out there for the first time. The the the, the deal with them is that you, the first time you go, you can go for as long as you like for free. Very nice. Um, and after that, you pay a subsidised amount. So. First time I went was for three months, and Get your that, that worth. really did change my my work in a big way because it was the first time since I was at art college that I'd had a sort of huge amount of time to just think about the work and have no. By this time, I'd left my job, so yeah, uh, I had focused on this. To deal with it, but there was this sort of plastic stuff coming across on the Gulf Stream from Canada, and yeah. huge, huge waves atlantic waves that i've never seen before it's on the west coast of scotland you know it's not as kind of wild i think the west coast of ireland the, yes, the yes, weather yes. gets a bit wilder somehow yeah um so the, the book, book took in, into into account that kind of change yeah. and then through through to 2007 when it uh to go digital the huge the whole world collapsed mm -hmm. in 2007 and materials disappeared <laughs> yeah I, mean, yeah I had a kind of because of in a in a wet process darkroom you have to have a, a complete and not a strict routine about what you do when what temperature things are yeah how long you leave things in whatever and yeah uh, you, you build up a kind of uh i used to call it a japanese tea ceremony it was a kind uh, of yeah a kind of strict order of doing things and then slowly bits of the materials disappeared uh, like Agfa changed the formulation for the print developer I used uh, um, and I used to print on Forte paper and I was sponsored by them for seven years I didn't buy a piece of paper for seven years and they just sent me anything I wanted it was phenomenal yeah. they would just send it to Silver Print in London huge huge parcels of paper new new papers to try and yeah. all the sort of standard stuff and then I got an email one morning in 2007 from them saying factories closing tomorrow. Oh dear. More paper. So yeah. I just suddenly thought, and then a gallery I was having a show at wanted to well, push me to do bigger and bigger prints. Right. And okay. I just couldn't do them in my darkroom. My darkroom was uh, 20 by 24 inches. That was yeah. the maximum I could do. Produce. I did do some pieces of work which were kind of uh, joined together, triptychs and. Yeah. Okay. To tr that was to try and make bigger pictures yeah. to to sort of service the gallery market really um but then as soon as i went digital they realized that, that scale wasn't an, an issue, issue anymore yeah. and color wasn't an issue anymore and um, i felt incredibly liberated actually uh, yeah. it wasn't a, a bad thing in the end though there was very there was a touch and go period when it was very dodgy but uh, Yes, but what I suppose once you settle down into the, the opportunities that the digital yeah. offers you, then, um, yeah. as you say, you've been able to take advantage of it. Not everyone 
necessarily has has taken advantage or wants to take advantage of it. But as you say, you've seen your you've seen your work evolve through the even through the, the rope as you as you grow mono color and then into digital as well. And um, I wanted that to be in the book. You said that I was like the um, the film The Wizard of Oz is in black and white, isn't it, for the first yes, and then color, hour, yeah, it turns into color. And I wanted the book to feel like that. I wanted to feel like you were. You were trawling through these early black and white uh, development of my work, and uh, uh, and it got to kind of a very sophisticated. I was really, really kind of um, the time the digital stuff came along. I was really, really in a groove. I was really doing stuff I was really proud of. Uh, in fact, that that work just before I went digital is the the work that the National Gallery of Scotland bought. Yeah, um, they they got. They bought twenty-four pictures in one go. It was uh, it was a whole portfolio of these um, kind of cameraless seawater, dry, dried seawater, and stuff work. So it yeah, was a, it was a momentous day. I can imagine. I can, I can imagine <laughs> it, would, it would have been a, a big day for a, a wee celebration drama in the evening it after was, that. I was, can imagine. <laughs> at the at Waverley Station on the way home. <laughs> yes, abs- absolutely. Yes. Um, but no, it's it's. I think it's really interesting to hear how 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 the book, your vision of the book, going from your original work, through to to what you to what you were laterally producing and and still are producing, yeah. um, and with Ohanami as well. It's. I think it was it was really interesting knowing that it started back in the nineties, and then as you yeah. moved on to Sea Works, you were then you were then in Japan. I think it was and yeah. At the the spring the, the spring blossom, um, which must have just been a beautiful event to see. It was um, it was an ac- that was an accident, complete accident. I was supposed to go. I got a grant from a foundation called the Sasakawa Foundation. They, I've never got money e- so easily in my life. People have been saying to me for years, "Oh, your work could go down really well in Japan." You know, it's yeah. it's zen, it's natural forms, it's it's quiet it's it's very japanese so uh, i thought well i'd like to go to japan then and take take show these people how to do it you know yeah um and so the first foundation i found which offered grants was this sasaka so i just wrote them a letter saying uh, i'd really like to go to japan my work's very japanese so it was it was as simple as that i got a letter back saying how much do you want it was like is it, it was just unbelievable so uh a wonderful experience i'd imagine as well it was a uh, it was wonderful frightening terrifying it was yeah. um a, it was 20 years ago so there was very few people who spoke english yeah i can and, imagine um, still are traveling around japan and traveling on trains and working out how to use um ticket machines yeah. with no, no english on them at all and uh food did you go to a restaurant the thing that i keep saying to people that the, the thing i had never thought about before i went to japan is that you can't use a dictionary no yeah everywhere else i've been in the world you can be in a restaurant and you can translate individual words off a menu japan you've no got a chance no chance you don't know where to start so uh, it was a it was a frightening sometimes it was frightening just just for being on my own and being feeling very lost and very foreign and very uh, yeah we I, I i was lucky enough i've been to japan a few times but the first time was back 2005 maybe 2006 and mm-hmm. it was the last time we were there was about three years ago and it's amazing how much it's progressed in that 
three yeah. years, just a few more people begin to speak English. Yeah. Menu, they don't just generally speak English in, rest, in, in the restaurants, but they've maybe now got a menu. Yeah. So as opposed to guessing what you're actually going to be served up um, and then having to send it back three times because you've yeah. ordered something that you don't really want to taste, yeah. uh, it's changed a bit, but it's still, it's still a phenomenal uh, culture yeah. that... Uh, very, very, very. I had five. I had managed to set up five meetings before I went. Yeah. Um, but getting to these meetings, I you just um, was horrendous. And I, I, I tell a story about how um, quite often then the, the underground stations, some stations had the, the kanji script and then a word yes. in English. Yeah. And some didn't. So you'd yeah. you'd stop at a station that had no nothing in English. Think, Which station is this? You know. And uh, I met. It was the very few Western people I met as well in yep. Tokyo at the time. I met a guy from Bristol University on a train, and he was a he was like a recruiter. He was recruiting students for, for Bristol University, and he gave me a, t- a an underground timetable, and he said, "Don't work, don't work by the name of the station. Work by the time." He said, "They're so efficient. It'll be on time. Yeah. If it's if it's thirteen seventeen, it will be that station." Yeah. And uh, so it was a it was a godsend. It was a yeah. godsend. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's, it's an incredible place. One of uh, one of my favourite places to visit. So, uh, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So obviously you were over there, and then you came back, and then um, you you obviously the big winter storm of two thousand and ten, which yeah. I, yeah. I remember well. I wish we would get another winter like that, or even just yeah. broadly close. I was in this very studio. They couldn't get in. There was. Eight foot of snow outside the door, yeah. and and that's obviously when you when you uh, started picking up the the work again. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I did a, a residency in a, a nature reserve, and that, that and that about three or four years previous to that, and that had been really good. I enjoyed it in in Lancashire called Mere Sands Woods, and it was. Um, I was doing this because I. Commissions are great. I mean, they, they, it's like somebody saying to you, we really like what you work. We, we, like, we really like what you do. Yeah. Do it, do it here. Yeah. And you feel very under pressure. And you, and it, it's, you start off these uh, commissions. The, the only thing that's in the diary is a date for the exhibition. Yes. And you've got to, <laughs> you've got to come up with something. So you're, you're kind of flying around. So I did... And it, that was a very successful show, but they, I get drawn back to the sea, and it just went in a draw, just stayed in a draw. Yeah. Uh, and then when I came back from Japan, I tried to do some stuff um, with a cherry blossom. We had a cherry blossom tree in our own garden, and I tried to do, but they just looked hackneyed and <laughs> sort of pictures that everybody would take of a cherry blossom yeah. tree. Yeah. Uh, so they went back in the drawer again, on top of the stuff from Miss Sands Wood. Yes. And then when this uh, the, we got snowed in, and I started to pick up fragments of leaves and, and uh, material from the garden when the snow melted, um, it sort of added to that, and it just became a sort of a whole body of work. Really, it was quite, it was quite good. It's also my most successful. I find this really hard sometimes. It's my most successful exhibition was the Owen Army exhibition at Chris Beetle's yeah in London. It was it was. It was just phenomenally successful in terms of sales, and yeah. it gave me three years of security for. Um, right, that, yeah, 
do what I wanted to do. But then what did I do? Went straight back to the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. We've all, we've all got our, we've all got our true passion and our, and our true love as well. And, um, I suppose that's that's the same in all of us. It's I think if you yeah. said to anyone you you might produce something that could be hugely successful, but there'll always be somewhere that you're you're drawn back to. And as you say, for you, yeah. it's it's walking along the beaches and it's just walking along the strand line, just that line of uh, of flotsam yes. and jetsam left by the last tide. I just that's yeah. I just kind of love weaving along on that line and. Just seeing what the sea's thrown up. And... Yeah, I, I I love in the the foreword uh, when uh, Francis talks about he says you'd maybe cr- come across you walking along walking along a beach and you're picking up bits and pieces which to most people would just be <laughs> rubbish and things yeah. to be ignored, yeah. but yet at the same time take them into his studio and and yeah. m- months later see yeah treasure. treasure it's it's treasure troves and see what see what actually is produced by it yeah be it days weeks months or however long your obviously your yeah. your work doesn't uh, isn't produced uh, as quickly as uh, as as everyone else's as you, as you uh, leave some, it some, some bits take some bits just go like and work and then other bits you have to work out and yeah you reject loads of stuff and i'm never working on one thing at a time it's always Four or yep. five or six of, 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 sort of an idea, um, but then yeah, the, the, then it straight into other other areas. Over the last four years, I've been a bit yeah, they've not been aimless. They've been sort of struggling to come to terms with. I think struggling to come to terms with the rise of photography as a as a kind of phenomenon. Yes, I would. Yep. Um, I said to somebody recently that when I the first time I went to Scotland, the northwest Scotland, and it was in these wild places, I saw one other guy with a. In two weeks, I saw one other guy with a tripod. Yeah. Uh, and if you go now, you, you there's loads of them. You know? every, every corner you turn, there'll be someone with a tripod, and yeah, and it's... The, the the rise of the iPhone. I use an iPhone, and I I use it as a sketchbook, and I. Same yeah. as everybody else, and most of my Instagram stuff is on an iPhone. Yeah, um, and I love it, and it's 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 democratized photography, and anybody can just pick a phone up and yeah. pick a pick a Snapseed app up, and you're suddenly we, producing these things that it would have taken you months to produce in in a darkroom. Yeah, um, and I, I do like that, but it it's very hard to you just. There becomes a sort of a homogeneity about it, and it, it become it's a, for me. I'm always struggling to, to do something that 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 kind of makes the work stand out and 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 speak to a bigger audience or something. Yeah, I spent I spent two years, more or less two years, working on light boxes, trying to kind of create. I suddenly realised one day I was sat with my iPad, which I, I'm welded to, and my, my iPad is like completely. Uh, I'm never without it. Yes, but my my own pictures look better on an iPad than they did in a print, and right. I kept on because of this backlit, yeah, jewel um, like quality that you got. And I suddenly thought, well, maybe I can do that in a frame. Yeah, maybe I can put a picture in a frame of that sort of with that same sort of mouth watering jewel like quality. Yeah, it took me nearly two years to work it out, and I finally. Did it to a standard. I um, you probably see one in the background. 
Yes, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's absolutely. I think when you when you came on, it was the first thing that caught my eye was was just the uh, the beautiful colours of it. I worked with a, a company in Gateshead, uh, right, and they they produce some of the prints they called um, chromogenic lambda prints. Um, and that's what the, on Fuji Crystal Archive. So it's a, the Fuji Crystal um, film. Yes. Uh, and you, basically, it's a huge, incredibly sharp transparency. Yeah. Uh, uh, we're working out how to backlight it, and I had some disasters. I started off using um, um, 60 centimeter square um, light ceiling panels. Okay. Uh, yeah. LED LED ceiling panels, but they were 240 volt, and I got a, a shock one day. I was wired. I was yeah, literally. I was wired. <laughs> one day. I was on my my uh, my chair with wheels, and I went right back across the studio and whack against the wall. Uh, and I and I and then I tried to dim them down, and they started to flicker. And I thought, you, I can't be making these works. What you put on a wall that is likely to give somebody epilepsy. <laughs> and or electrocute them self yes yeah N- neither way yeah no, neither one's a good selling point yeah but i mean perfected it and I, I made five and they were shown in a show in birmingham but i've never sold one and i think um there's a massive inbuilt suspicion to them yeah uh, in, in, in effect it caused the separation between me and the london gallery because I was making these works and they weren't, they didn't. No. Yeah. The fact that one would say to me one day, we, we can't sell work with a wire hanging out of it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so are you, are you continuing to, to use them or are you back to more traditional prints? I'm back now? to more traditional, but I've, I've moved into moving images. That's yes. I've, I've seen, I've seen some of your recent stuff, which yeah. was, yeah, was, yeah, and I was, I'm really, really happy with what I did and the way it worked out. And, one of the films is so I was so pleased with it. I commissioned a composer yeah. to write some music, and he yeah. he uh, he did a fantastic job on it. And uh, I've entered it for a few film festivals, and it's it's won a couple of awards already. Yeah, got a um, semi finalist in the Berlin Art Film Festival. Yeah, and it's been shown at a festival in Donegal. Um, um, and it is a fantastic thing, but again, I can't work out how you can make any money out of it. Yeah, yeah. I really can't. I yeah. can't. I can't see how you could make money out of it. Yeah, how, how you but, can. Yeah. <laughs> but literally, within the last within the last month, I've been starting to make some still images again, just uh, as pieces of work. And are you can are you continuing on from the the evolving sea works and the and the, or the evolving sea and the evolving land or the one the ones I'm doing at the moment are, are um, sort of oh Hanami follows on yeah because uh, I've not been going to the beach very much oh um, yeah I've been um, just a bit scared of it really scared of being out with I mean the beach I go to you you can't really predict you can be on your own I've been on my own on eight miles of sand many, many, many times. But then another time you go and there's 20 cars there and yeah, lots of people. So I've been a bit wary about going. But uh, I take the dog for a walk every day up the road and uh, I, I've been, just, I spotted some dock leaves that changed colour slowly. 
So I started to do some work about these dock leaves. Yeah. I'm really pleased with it. Very it's good. Coming on nicely, yeah. And do you think you've maybe got uh, another another book in you or of future work or are you happy just to to progress with the prints and I, don't know, I think there might be a, a prequel i think there might because oh, yeah i think um i mean I, I i tried all sorts of photography before i kind of because of my upbringing i i started off thinking i was this kind of bill brandt cartoon yeah. dress on observer of the the underclass of yeah working britain you know uh, in fact, it's very interesting. Recently, I saw Chris Killip died recently. Yes, he did. Yeah. And uh, when I left, when I left my fine art degree, I applied for a fellowship with Northern Arts, and I I got down to the last two, and he was the, he got it. Ooh. He got the, this fellowship, and he, his career sort of took off. And yeah. at the time, we were making similar kind of work. There was a big thing in Newcastle at the time. There was a Swedish photographer, Circa Lisa Kottingen. Um, she, she was around Newcastle. She just, she just had a book out, actually. It's really, really nice. Right. Um, Chris Killip. Um, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a few people doing these kind of gritty, uh, urban kind of portraits and shipyards yeah. and yeah. workers coming out of shipyards and yeah. coal miners. Industrial work. And I, I was kind of into that for quite a long time. And I, I, in the end, I just had to stop it because I realised I'm not very good at it. I'm not... I'm not very good with face to face with people. I'm almost embarrassed taking photographs. Yeah. I haven't got the kind of uh, brass neck that you need some to. of these people do street photography have got. And I like things to be still and um, allow Take me your to time. Yeah. work out how to photograph them. Yes. Uh, but I, but it, yeah, it, but there are some great pictures. I mean, I, I did. Whole, I did whole sort of um, portfolios on different subjects. I did one on Hexham cattle market, where there's a lot of, uh, I mean, this was like in 1972, 73. Yeah. Um, really old kind of farmers. And Very nice, stuff. yeah. And, uh, I did a, a whole series on, um, in the Northeast at the time when I was a student, there was there was kind of whippet racing on okay. a Sunday, Sunday morning. You could, Go where there was miners. Uh, I yep. used to go to a place called Backworth out in uh, in, in, in the sort of Northumberland coalfields. And then on a Sunday morning, they would all bring their whippets and race them with the guy with a bicycle at the other end, uh, yep. a, a rag soaked in um, uh, linseed or something. And they would drag it along and there's dog could run, but the Bold. characters yep. people were really. I did a really nice series of those. and. Um, and then I thought of, I was kind of a travel person. When I first left college, I did quite a lot of traveling, went to the States, yeah, around Europe. And I was doing these kind of, um, look at me, I'm the observer of Los Angeles. And, yes. Um, observer of rural France. And uh, so um, there are some great pictures. I look back at them and these are really good, but they're just sort of stuck in albums. and Yeah. Nobody's ever seen them really. So I think there might be... Uh, a book, a book there. The early days. But I, I can't see, I can't, at the moment, I can't see another book. Yeah. Uh, of, of new work, really. Yeah. It's, I kind of feel very um, content about it. Yeah. I'm very proud of the fact that both Sea Works and Nohan Army have been uh, bought by the National Art Library. 
absolutely yeah and the vna and i think that the fact that my, my two books are sat there my whole life's work really is yeah is sat there in the national collection is very very so pleasing Absolutely. And, and you must get uh, tremendous pleasure from some of the feedback you receive from people who who, tell, who have bought your books or now collect your work. And, and, yeah. and, and, I think and I was you, yeah, the impact that it has on them. I think I was telling you in an email, I got an yeah. email from a couple who live on the Bay of Funday in Canada. And they had a copy of my book and they were saying that they've walked on the beach every day for sort of 20 years and now they see it differently. And I was thinking you, you just can't ask for more than that with yeah. other artists. You you just see changing the way someone looks at the world. Even Mark Littlejohn has started to say he's looking at the close landscape in Scotland now since he moved there. So Yes, yeah. He's uh, he's keeping us up to date with all of his uh, new adventures on his uh, <laughs> re- regular photography as he as he is. I think he's taken far more shots of the sea than he in the last uh, couple of months than he probably has than in the last couple of years combined. He'll, stay, he'll be taking pictures of little lichen covered rocks shortly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, so um obviously uh, we're talking about books. I think out of all the guests I've had on so far, Seaworks has been the most suggested book uh, that they have on their bookshelf. So obviously t- today um, you're not allowed to mention your, your, you're not allowed to suggest your own book. That would be somewhat cheating, but are there maybe three or even more books that uh, uh, that you particularly draw inspiration from or or just even enjoy? Uh, well, down with? The first one is... is uh... Old Paul Strand, um, 60 Years of Photographs. Uh, the, the reason I chose that one is it was, it was probably the most influential exhibition I've ever been to in my life. Okay, yeah. About 1974, there was a Paul Strand exhibition in Edinburgh at the festival. I went to see it. I think it was at Stills Gallery or somewhere quite yeah. small. And I went along thinking... My tutor said, oh, you should go and see this exhibition. And so I went along. I was into photography and the photography tutors suggested we go. Yeah. Um, and I expected the prints to be huge and they weren't. They were tiny. I think yeah. I think there were even maybe even 10 by 8 uh, contact prints. Yeah. So they were very small. But the quality of the prints, just I, I've never seen anything like it. They looked like they've been printed on wax or something. They were just beautiful. They were just luscious things, objects. Yeah. And I'd never seen a photograph as a kind of beautiful object before. Yeah. And from that moment, I thought, I want to try and make my work uh, like an object that people hold and treasure yes. and love yeah. because it's it's so perfect. And so I, that's why I've chosen that one. And, and his Hebridean work in particular, yeah. I really like. Um, and he's just like a master. But uh, so that's that was my first choice. First choice, yeah. Good, a, a very good first choice. My second choice is a Japanese book by Tomatsu. Uh, it's it, you probably won't be able to find this because it's a um, a catalogue from an exhibition. Right. Okay. Yep. That I saw when I was in Tokyo. One of my meetings I had set up in Tokyo was at the Metropolitan Museum of Photography. Yeah. And the curator invited me in and, you know, was very polite and looked at my work and very polite and sort of 
but she was obviously really not interested in it at all. You could, you could just tell she was <laughs> like, oh yeah, another black and white landscape photographer. You know, we've seen thousands of them. Yeah. Um, but she gave me this. It was the catalogue to the exhibition that was on at the ex at the museum when you were there. She said, "Here's a catalogue. Uh, it's the, the, the spine is in Japanese. It's most of the text is in Japanese." The exhibition was on, and it was 300 prints on four floors of a, a gallery. Jeez. It was absolutely vast. Jeez. And there were little, I'd go, I'd go into a room, and there'd be an idea. That I had an idea. The, the one I think about is that I, I'd had an idea in the past for taking electrical components out into the landscape and just placing them yeah. in, in rock pools or... Um, on rock faces or on sand and then photographing. Yeah. And sort of something to do with the invasion of technology, our yes. waste and plastic. Yeah. And I walked into a room and here's a room full of pictures of electrical components <laughs> in rock. <laughs> you think, oh yeah, well, thanks a lot for that. That's that idea gone. Yes. Uh, and then I had an idea about just making these portraits of plastic bottles on the beach. And I went to another, and there's another room full of these portraits of plastic. Right. Um, even on the cover, I don't know if you can see the cover of it. Yes, I can see the cover, yeah. It's just uh, a picture of a tarmac road. Yeah. Some scraps of metal melted into the road and some white lights. But it looks like a sort of universe. And he, he's just been looking at the road and thought, oh, that looks like a universe. Yeah. I'm just going to photograph the road. And it's, I just found it astounding. And the whole book is, is just a real inspiration. It's quite a large catalogue. It is. It is. <laughs> the exhibition was called Traces. I don't know if you can ever find it. Traces. Traces, 30 years of Tomatsu's work. But um, there is some really tough stuff in it because he, he did a lot of documenting of uh, Hiroshima. Oh, right, yeah. After the bomb, so there's, yeah. there's some really horrendous pictures. Heart hitting stuff there. Yeah. Uh, and the, the room in the gallery where that work was on was really tough for me. You know, there was, yeah. there was a lot of Japanese people in there. There's a lot of tears, yeah. people were crying, and I felt like it was my fault. You know, that yeah. here I am, this white Westerner. It's probably so. It was a momentous uh, show. Yeah. But you've come away with a what looks like a very inspiring. Oh, uh, the whole the whole book is when I when I pick a book up just to kind of look through and get inspiration. This is the one I use. Yeah, um, just fantastic. And I think the the cover was a fold out. Oh yes, yeah. And I, and I think that uh, that was the uh, the the idea for the fold outs in SeaWorks. Yes. From. Yeah, really, yeah. Which the fold, what foldouts and sea works work incredibly well. I, yeah, I think they, that, they cause a lot of difficulty with. I, uh, I can only imagine that. They, <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine the the complexity uh, it adds when you uh, when you when you begin to expand the pages somewhat. But it when it's when it works very well, which I think is very very yeah, effective. Yeah, beautiful kind of uh, just something different and yeah, just so in some scale and interest. Yeah. Yeah, Todd Heidel as well. His books have got very big foldouts. Yeah. Um, in fact, I think one of them's close to an A2 poster size, yeah. which is somewhat unwieldy to to handle. But yeah, it brings a total different dimension to 
yeah. to, to the work and, yeah, the, nice and to do that. Yeah, yeah, and the experience of actually using the book is not just flick through, you've got to stop and yeah. it's out yeah. and you, you kind of then pause at that point and really take in the the vastness yeah. of what's been shown. Yeah. And do you have another book? My last one is The Plant Kingdoms of Charles Jones. <laughs> mean anything to you? No. No, I've not I've not heard of that one. Nope. It's um I don't really know the full story, but this guy was a Victorian photographer of vegetables. Oh, right. Ooh, very interesting. Yeah, and um there's a story to the book, I think. I've not, I'm not really read it for such a long time. But it, basically, somebody found a suitcase on a market store, which was full of these amazing pictures of vegetables, of broad right. beans and yes. potatoes and cauliflowers. And they are absolutely wonderful. Super. And there are a lot of about what my work is about, about this kind of finding something really awe-inspiring in something mundane or yes that most people would pass by and the love and, and attention that's being paid to photographing these vegetables is is absolutely astounding and it's a it's a sort of joyous book yeah because it's of it's of nothing really you know a picture of a celery can be just all inspiring you look at it and thinking this is just beautiful and every plate is is just fantastic and uh, it's an unusual book and a kind of uh, one that most people wouldn't wouldn't kind of think, but I, I really love it. Yeah, I, I, we, I, myself and my wife have an allotment. So, um, um, yeah, so I will be taking a oh, look at that. Because, yeah, please take a look at it. It's, uh, yeah, I'll, it's, just, I'll... it's in sections on, there's like vegetables and there's fruit and then there's some flowers. But yes. the flowers aren't, uh, but yeah, there's onions. Oh, yeah, very nice. <laughs> That's yeah. As you say, it's a very mundane and very ordinary subject yes. matter that can be well, photographed to look so totally different. Beautiful, beautiful, and the the kind of just the the kind of they've, they're so evocative of something there, and they quite often are um, uh, contact printed, so you can see the edge of the film and the little yes. cuts out in the film. And I, I love that sort of thing. You know? Yeah, it's just it just gives a more natural feel. It, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a very rawness to it as opposed to very very highly polished for every yeah. single shot, which yeah. is really nice. And and do you have any others that you were sitting on the edge with? Because I do know that you you had posted <laughs> on you had posted on Twitter. So I I don't want no, to. I was going to was this, which is full moon. Yeah, Michael Light. Michael Light. Um. The reason I sort of rejected this was that it is it is a great book, but it, it wasn't. It's not as good as the exhibition was. The, yes, the exhibition was the exhibition was mind blowing. Yes. Basically, my, my Michael Light got um, permission when the first astronauts went on the moon. They, they each had a Hasselblad, okay, yeah, with two hundred and fifty shot magazines on, and they shot thirty thousand negatives. Okay. Uh, the this is the first moon landing. First moon landing, <laughs> and um, they're in this archive in NASA. These thirty thousand negatives, and because they were just so hyped to be on the moon, they were just taking pictures of the floor and a footprint, yeah. or 
um, landscapes or yes. a glove on the floor. There was a discarded glove. One of them dropped a glove. And, um, the exhibition, you know, he, Michael Light got the chance over a five-year period. He sifted through these 30,000 negatives and picked out ones that he thought would make good exhibition prints. And, yeah. Uh, and it's... Um, and it was inspirational for me because it was about the, the, I kept on looking at it thinking these are amazing pictures, but yeah. our world is as amazing as this yes. if we just look at it in the right way. I mean, yeah. I, after I'd seen this, I did. There's a picture of mine called uh, "A Day at the Beach" uh, from the Isle of Muck. I went to the Isle of Muck, and I just collected some handfuls of beach. Uh, that I brought brought back with me to the studio, and I just laid it out on black velvet. And at the time, my studio had a had a, uh, a glass door at the end of it, and the light was just coming in and raking. It. All these pictures have got this kind of raking light because of the the light on the moon. So that yeah. the, the the light's very harsh and very low on it. And I took this picture, and it, it just looked like one of these pictures from uh, full moon, and I. Uh, I just thought, well, our Earth is around just beautiful. Yeah, it's just as it's just as exciting and yeah, uh, thrilling. But if you if you can just see it, you know, yeah. yeah, look a bit, look a little bit closer. Yeah, so that that was that was my other fourth one. Yes, nearly nearly on the top three, but yeah, not, on the top three. three, but not quite. But uh, <laughs> well, on that note, Paul, I'd just like to thank you for taking the time this evening to speak to me. It really has been. Yeah. It's been my pleasure to talk to you about both uh, both books and your work. Uh, I re I remember when you presented at a meeting of minds, and it was it was really just fascinating and inspiring to to sit and listen to you talking about the stories of when you would be walking along the beach picking up yeah. wee, wee nuggets of treasures, <laughs> and all of a sudden uh, your your images involve the bottles of Heineken and stuff like that, and yeah. it, it, it really was, and to hear you when you created your your, your silicon pool on top of your oh, scanner. Oh, yeah, to, yeah. To, say by the side of me. Yeah, to put, and, and the number of scanners you go through, it's it's really just, in, in, it's inspiring stuff to, to, to listen to you, and um, we get the pleasure of of looking at it through through the books, which which again is 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 I great. Thought, I thought you'd give me some hard time about the scanner, but uh... no, I'm I'm am fairly I'm fairly pretty relaxed when it comes to technology. I'm not I'm not, but yeah, the the scanner. I must say that your scanner stories were really were really quite impressive and. Uh, someone who goes to do so many scanners, you probably keep the scanning companies in business these days. Yeah. I don't I'd like I, to get sponsorship from Epson, but they just they don't reply. Yeah, at, so at some point you'll have to change your practice again when they stop producing scanners because everyone just uses <laughs> their uses their phone or something yeah. like that. But uh, but no, yeah, again, it's, they were great. The scanners are great for the the moving images because yeah, you, you can set something on the scanner and it doesn't move. Yes, and so you, every scan you take is is a, like a frame of a film. Yes, so you you've got a kind of set parameter. Yeah, um, that that allows you to kind of keep on scanning the same thing, but making changes to it. Yes, uh, which then became the films, and it was just the fact that I was one one finished sea work could, could take me say three months. Yeah, um, adding adding seawater and yes. adding some copper wire to make it go green and yeah, 
um, slowly adding bits on. But if you did it on the scanner, you can you can you can record each stage of that change. I would I would do all those changes and then just decide this is the time it's finished and I'm going to make a print out of it. Yes. With with the uh, with the films, it's almost like um, you see all the all the stages. Yes, frame frame by frame. And and yeah. how how long how long are your moving images taking you to? record and the, the the biggest one was is the, the finished one which is called bun the sphere which yeah. is when i was in ireland the first time i i got didn't realize that out in mayo is is part of the gale tack they speak the gaelic language yeah more or less all the time and that it's taught in schools and people in pubs use it and uh, i was quite interested in uh, irish gaelic words that match my work so I put a list on my studio wall yep. of, of things to do with my uh, my work, sea, coast, you know, things like that. And people would write the, the Gaelic word next to it when they and I thought this whole sheet got filled in. It was really interesting. But the word horizon, which comes into my work a lot, yep. the Irish for horizon is bun sphere, which the translation is bottom of the sky. All right, yeah. And I just thought that was just so poetic and beautiful. And yeah. now when I'm when I'm looking out to sea and see the horizon, I, I you think of that thinking it's the bottom of the sky. It's like uh, yeah. So that's that's the title of the film. Um, but it was 115 scans over two months, um, and then I, that's that was then edited down to 48 frames for the film. So. Yeah. It was, uh, and it's 15 minutes long. Yeah. It's a very slow, it's a sort of experience. It's not like it's not like a movie. There's no action, there's nothing no. happens, but yeah. there's never there's never nothing happening. Yes, there's always something ongoing. Yeah. So it's uh, but I don't know how to market it. I don't really know how to um, galleries have just sort of rejected it. Yeah, <laughs> but I've got a big show actually. I'll give a yes. bit of a plug for this. It's is in if it happens, I'm hoping it's going to happen in June next year in Southport. Yes, uh, the Atkinson Gallery, which is a beautiful Victorian gallery that's just been refurbished, uh, want to do a, a sort of major show, which will be in three sections. It'll be prints, uh, maybe even going back to some black and white prints. Yeah, and then into a darker section where there'll be light boxes. And then through through to a darker section where the film will be shown uh, on loop. So, Fantastic! That sounds. Yeah. yeah, I remember seeing you. Uh, you'd posted about doing the exhibition. Right, so right, yeah. uh, I will certainly, fingers crossed, that uh, it still takes place because yeah. um, I will certainly be uh, making a trip down. And will that be showing work from across your across yeah. the, the fifty years? Yeah, of sea works, not, of, not no. Of, yeah, but of sea works. Yeah, that yeah. will be. Yeah. That'll really be quite quite impressive yeah, to I'm see. Looking forward to that. I really yeah. I'm, I'm, doing, I I'm doing a Zoom talk to 500 of the um, friends of the gallery uh, yeah. next, next week. Next week. So I'm a bit anxious about that. So. You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be you'll be a natural. I'm sure they'll all be uh, as fascinated to hear about it as uh, as I I've been uh, chatting to you tonight. So yeah. Um, yeah so just uh, to. Just to say thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for taking the time to to speak to me. Thank you very much, Paul. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very Cheers. Much.